the Gospel of John, John 21, last chapter of John. Um, you can go to the book of Acts, and that's the next page backward. Gospel of John, uh, John 21 is our uh, final scripture uh, for us in this short little series that we've gone through in the month of November. We've been asking uh, the questions that Jesus asks of his disciples. Uh, we began with Jesus asking the disciples, who is it that you say I am? And then we looked at, uh, why are you afraid? Why were you so afraid? You have little faith. And last week we looked at uh, the question of, will you also leave? And so Jesus was, uh, in a way, trying to get a gauge with his disciples. What is the sort of De, uh, defining our relationship w with one another. Who do you say I am and what is this all about? And it kind of reminds me of uh, the moment, the first time I told Wendy that I loved her. It was around uh, this time of year and Wendy's reflecting on it like, oh no, where's he going with this? But uh, when I told Wendy I loved her, uh, would it surprise you that it took her a long time to reciprocate the response? What felt, uh, it felt like uh, an eternity. Uh, it was probably only five minutes, maybe ten, but it felt like uh, a couple of days. Like I'm even just thinking back on it. There, when I asked her to marry me, it was a similar story. Um, you know, when I, when I was uh, wooing her, you know, and I, we were on a walk and and she knew I was going to ask her and she's like kept avoiding me asking. Like we were never... <laughs> We were never in one spot for too long. She just sort of kept moving, you know, and it's like she knew it was coming and uh, she just was trying to avoid it at all costs. And when I finally did grab her, you know, I pulled my coat over her head. This is true, not exaggerated. And, uh, and I got on one knee and I, I popped the question. And an hour later she answered. Uh, it, was, it maybe wasn't that long, but it, it took... A long time to uh, to get an answer, and obviously she said yes, and it's been great ever since. And, and she has told me that she loves me a few times. But today, uh, this morning, this morning is about love. This morning is about a relationship between us disciples and our love for our Savior Jesus Christ. And it's this this question uh, of the four questions that Jesus asks. This one is the most intimate of them. Most of them have been sort of ontological, something that we think about, something that uh, we think in our heads about who Jesus is. Like we understand from the first question, who do people say that, that I am? Jesus, the response to that is a, a head question and a, heart, you know, and a heart question. But it's mostly about, well, who do we understand Jesus to be? Well, I understand him to be the Messiah, the one that has come to rescue us the one who is going to be king. Like, we understand that. When we think about uh, the, the fear question, why are you afraid? This is, this is a head and heart question, but it's mostly about understanding the world in light of Jesus being the creator of heaven and earth. Why are we afraid when we know that Jesus is the creator of the heavens and the earth? And then, then there is a more intimate question of, will you also leave? But Peter's response is, is like, where else will we go? You have the words of eternal life. They are still thinking very much in a head and heart, but mostly in the head of just, 
we are considering Jesus and all that he is. But this morning's question that Jesus asks is an intimate question of personal relationship between people who have been spending the last three years of their lives together and have gone through quite a bit of ups and downs. And Peter's story, we know Peter's story well, and we've, we've taught on him time and time again, and he's an interesting character to follow because he's the guy that's probably most like all of us, right? Like we sort of say what we, uh, is on our minds and then we regret it later. You know, we just sort of blurt it out. I know that you all have the problem and I don't, but uh, uh, the, uh, you know, in that sort of setting, we think of Peter as this guy who's all in on his faith and he loves the Lord, but then he also has these moments where he just sort of uh, nosedives, right? And as the story goes, when Jesus is facing the crucifixion and he's facing the trials, it is that tension in which Jesus predicted that he would deny knowing him. And Peter's like, there's no way I would deny you. But of course, uh, we know that Peter does. And on the third time, the rooster crows and he's like, oh boy, I really did it now, right? And so we can all have a sense of knowing that our story is very much like Peter's story, where there's this sort of ups and downs of, yes, I love the Lord, I'm trusting in Him, I know Him, and then there's times in our life where we're sinking in the water because our faith has lapsed, where we are in the midst of a storm and we think God isn't with us and God isn't going to save us, or in the midst of conflict, we can question whether or not we even love the Lord and if our loyalties are with Him. And it is in that wave of story that when we pick up the gospel of john we have in john 21 the resurrected christ is now visiting with his disciples and followers and he is greeting them and he is blessing them with new life in the kingdom of god he is teaching them that the kingdom is there and it's open and there is blessing in it and and the guys are out fishing and it's not going very well and jesus blesses and there's uh, 153 fish, which I never understood why that, but there's a whole bunch of fish, and they're all excited, and they're like, surely this was God, and, and Peter, he was fishing naked, and he had to put his clothes on to go back. I, I always think that's fascinating details. I don't know why we get all of the things we get, but uh, uh, anyways, he had to put his clothes on to go swimming, which is whatever, and he meets up with Jesus, and here we are in John 21, 15. And they have shared in a meal together, and they are uh, having a conversation now. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. You see how he answered quickly, Wendy? I just want to point that out. But um, <laughs> that's going to get me in trouble. She's mad now, guys. Uh, all right. Kids, we'll figure something out for lunch. Uh, Jesus said, feed my sheep. Truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. 
Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciples whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that the disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to those things and who wrote them down. We know that this testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would have been written. And that's how John's gospel concludes, but it concludes with this question. Do you love me? The first time he asks the question, though, he says, do you love me more than these? And, I, and there's kind of a question, a little bit of debate. They're sitting and they're eating, and, and is Jesus saying, do you love me more than these fish? As, is, as if it's a question of, do you love me more than what you have done your whole entire life? Do you love me more than fishing? Do you love me more than the provision that it has provided for you? Do you love me more than your sort of occupation? It could be that sort of interpretation. It could also be, do you love me more than these? As in, do you love me more than these disciples and your friends? Like, is he pointing at the disciples? It could be that he's talking about both, but in the end, he's asking a heart question for Peter. Do you love me more than anything else? Do I take priority in all of your loyalties and everything about who you are? Do you love me above all else? And that can be a hard question if we sort of turn it uh, turn it on to ourselves, and we start asking the question about our relationships, and we think about our occupation, and we think about the things that have sort of occupied our hearts, our minds, our attention. Do we love Jesus more than fill in the blank? And perhaps the amb ambiguity of the question is, so it is written for all of us, that we can start placing things in our own lives and say, do we love Jesus more than than our family? Do we love Jesus more than our wealth? Do we love Jesus more than our status? Do we love Jesus more than, and fill in the blank. Does Jesus take the priority of your heart? Do you love him more than everything else? We know that the greatest commandment is what? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbors as uh, yourself. And I think Jesus, I see a convergence, a convergence of the greatest commandment on this text, on what Jesus is doing. He's drawing us in to understand because Peter's response then is, well, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You know that I love you. And he says then to Peter, uh, he says, well, feed my sheep. If you love me, well, you will take care of my sheep. You will tend to my lambs. You will care for what I care about. When we love Jesus, we love what he loves. And he loves his sheep. He loves his people. He loves you and me. And so one of those questions that we need to think about as we engage this question for ourselves, do you love Jesus, is do you love what he loves? 
Are you willing to take responsibility for what he loves? You know, uh, when I finally got a yes out of Wendy, we had to go into premarital counseling. And one of those premarital, premarital counseling questions that you need to ask is, am I ready to take responsibility for what it means to love my spouse? Am I willing to take on the responsibilities of what it means to love this person? And I, I think as a, a wise young man, I certainly knew all of the implications of what that meant, right? I mean, I was so responsible and good with money, and I just, you know, I was really thoughtful of others. I put Wendy's needs above my own. I mean, just really, in the, you know, as, as you think about that question, as you think about what it means, am I ready to take responsibility for what it means to love this person? We need to ask that question of ourselves when we are confronted with, do I love Jesus? Do I consider taking on the responsibilities of what it means to love Jesus? And that responsibility, to be very clear, is for us to love one another. For us to say, yes, I love you, Lord, is to love what he loves and to care for the church family, to care for what he cares about, to care for his creation, to care for people, to care for the poor, to care for the sick, to care for the hurting, to care for and meet the needs of our church family. It is to be sensitive towards what it is to love one another and take on that sort of responsibility. And so when we are quick to answer the question, because I, I think that if I were to, uh, you know, take a little survey and we, you know, have a little family feud moment and just say, you know, survey says of those in this room that love Jesus, I think we would get a pretty positive outcome, right? And we get maybe 99%. I'm looking at one of you, but uh, no, <laughs> that's a terrible joke. But anyways, right, we would get an overwhelming sense that, yes, we love the Lord. Where we get the hang-up is, is that are we always reciprocating what it means to love the Lord with, am I loving God's people? If I were to ask the question, am I loving God's people well, if, am I tending and caring for the sheep well, maybe the answer to that survey might show a little disparity. And that's the, that's the heart of the question. And Jesus, he wants to draw intimately close to who we are and what we love. And what we love is Jesus. And when we love Jesus, we love his body. We love the church. We love what he loves and we care for it. And so Peter, he, in this conversation, he's, he's, one, he's being interrogated about the denial. But he's also being redirected into a new life with Christ that the denial and the sin and the brokenness and the hurt hasn't disallowed Peter from being a functioning member of a church family and blessing and caring for those he loves. And Peter, he did the very worst thing, but here he is reminding himself that he does love the Lord and that Jesus loves him. And we can get into this sort of rut in our own life where we feel like we are disqualified from loving people that we are too broken or we have too dark of a past or we have too much sin or we have too many things that keep us from being ministers who love and care for our church family. Do you ever experience the sort of self-doubt that has happened because of the sin in your own life? Does your brokenness keep you out of ministry? Does your brokenness and your sin and your past make you feel like you don't have a place? 
Do you think Peter at times felt that maybe he didn't have a place? And I just want us to see this as just another instance of the forgiveness and the mercy and the love of Christ. He eats with sinners all the time. And the story of the Gospels is Jesus meeting with people and eating with them whom he's not supposed to be eating with. There's a conversation with the Pharisee, and he says, hey, if you know who you're eating with, you, you wouldn't have anything to do with her. And, and Jesus, he's like, you know, it's, it's the sinners who need a doctor. It's, it's those who've received a lot of mercy who love the most. And, and I think that God loves using people who have been really, really broken because they really, really love really well because they've gone through something. They have a hurt in their heart, and they have experienced the healing and grace and love that allows them to be the very best people who tend and care for the flock. God takes our broken past, and He takes our hurts, and He lets us loose in His kingdom to love and bless and share of the mercy and grace of God. And so while the intimacy question of do you love me may perhaps hurt Peter in his heart when he realizes that he's asked the third time, he also remembers the conversation that he had with Jesus when he said, how often should we forgive? Should we forgive once? Twice? Three times? I'm being generous with this. God, should we, we should forgive three times, right? We should forgive seven times. Shouldn't we do that? Shouldn't we go all the way to the seventh time? Shouldn't we forgive that much? And then Jesus says to him, now how about, how about 70 times seven? How about we forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and just keep going and reminding ourselves over and over again of the grace and mercy and love of God? And Peter, he's asked this question, do you love me? And every sense of a story would have us believe that he doesn't have a place with that person. If you betrayed someone at that level, uh, if it were any other person, they may perhaps be so hurt that they would never give you a chance. I know that I don't forgive people for lesser things. There's still someone I'm a little bitter about on the road the other day I was right, they were wrong. We hold up so much for something so less. And here's Peter who denied knowing someone he spent the better part of three years with. And he knew of his betrayal. And here he thought, there's no way I have a place in this. And Jesus says to him, you are a part of it. When you love me, you take responsibility for this and you love what I love and you forgive and you care for and you tend and you feed the sheep. And so I'm going to ask you a familiar question and I'm going to ask that it would be a refresher in your walk with God as all of the questions have been, do you love Jesus? And do you love what he loves? As we wrap up the series, I just want to remind ourselves of just each of those questions and their implications on the community that we are. Who do you believe Jesus to be? 
As a church, we confess that Jesus is our Lord, our Savior, our King. He's the leader of our life. He's rescued us from our sins, and we're citizens in his kingdom. That is our fundamental understanding of who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. He's the creator over everything. He's the firstborn of all creation. He holds all things together. We affirm these things as followers of Christ. This is who we are as a community. Who do we say Jesus is? Lord, King, Messiah. And we just keep listing these attributes and um, uh, definitions of who Jesus is. This is who he is to us as a community. When we ask the question, why are we afraid? We are a beacon of light in a world filled with darkness. In a world filled with fear, we are reminded that Jesus is in control, that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, that Jesus has continually and faithfully calmed the storms in our lives and in the lives of other fellow believers, that Jesus is the answer above all, that he is the truth and mercy of God. And so when we enter into a world that is filled with fear and darkness and death and suffering, we know and we affirm as a community of believers that in Jesus Christ, we have nothing to fear. We have Christ who is our Lord and our Savior. When we consider then the third question, will you leave also? We are reminded of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ and our own reminders that we are to persevere in our trust and our faith with God. That Peter's answer is our answer. Where else will we go? For you have the words of eternal life. You are the answer. Jesus is the answer. We will turn to no one else. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is what shapes our community and who we are. And the fourth and final question for disciples of Jesus Christ is, do you love Jesus? Do we love him? And then, do we love what he loves? That if we would get these four questions down, if we would remind ourselves of it, maybe not daily, but every so often throughout the week and throughout the course of our lives, if we were, would remind us ourselves of Jesus' identity, Jesus' call on our lives, that if we would remember that we belong to him and his kingdom, that we would care for and love and minister to one another, what kind of community would this be if we were convicted that, yes, I love Jesus, and I will take responsibility for what it means to love him? And that means I will tend, I will care, and I will feed Jesus' sheep. And it's this last thing that Jesus says. Peter says, or Jesus says to Peter, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be rough again. It's going to be a lot like when you denied me. Only instead of the punishment happening to me, it's going to happen to you. You're going to be told what to do and you're going to die a death that won't be fair. But here's what I want you to do. Follow me. Friends, wherever you're at in your walk, if you're a new Christian or you've been at it for a long time, these four questions are questions that we always need 
because they all lead to the simple response and the responsibility to follow Jesus Christ. He's inviting you again today. If you believe him to be the Messiah, if you believe him to be the Lord, if you love him, his invitation to you is to follow him. Follow me. Let's pray. God, we thank you for uh, the questions that your son asked that get to, the, to our mind and our hearts to expose uh, what's going on within each of us. And Lord, it is easy for us to get into the trap of sin and fear and death and worry and anxiety and depression and anger and bitterness and all of these things, Lord, that stir within us this anxiety of our faith this tension in our walk with you. Lord, we have all sinned, we've all fallen short of your glory. But your love there is for us. Your love on the cross and your love around the campfire. Lord, you meet with Peter at a meal, you meet with us at a meal, and you transform our lives and you renew us and you set us forward. And so we pray, God, that in this gathering together with you today, we would be reminded again and again of your forgiveness, of your renewal, of your grace and your mercy. God, that we would take the love that you have shown us and we would share that love with others. Lord, that you would renew our love for you today. Remind us of how you loved us in the past so that we can love people better today and tomorrow. Lord, as people scramble to fill their lives with more things, may we fill our life with you. Lord, as we, we try to track down the best deals, remind us that the best deal is what we receive in you. Forgiveness and grace and mercy and love. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for your grace today. Thank you for loving us and welcome, welcoming us into your kingdom. Thank you for the new life we have. Fill us with your spirit that we may share the grace and love today. We love you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with us?